next week, we're going to do a little short series on the book of James. So we're still doing Year of the Bible. Uh, it might not feel like that if you're not doing Year of the Bible, but we are still doing Year of the Bible. So if you fell off the wagon at some point, I want to challenge you. You've got one week to read one book. And the book I want you to read is James, okay? It's in, it's in the New Testament. You'll find it. James is Jesus' half-brother, right? Half-brother because they got different daddies. But read James. It's really interesting. It's a great book. And then the next few weeks we'll talk about it and you'll be prepared. It should take you no more than an hour if you really try. If you read it backwards, it would take you like an hour and a half. You can do this. So read James and come in here prepared. But this week we're finishing off uh, the conversation that I started and Danny carried on. We're going to finish off this week. We're going to talk about faith. Um, we're sitting in Hebrews for a little bit, and faith sort of feels like one of those topics that should be obvious, but I still believe this is the greatest struggle we face as people who desire to be followers of Christ. It's not more information. It's not even more motivation. It's faith. Do we have the faith to do what God is calling us to do? Hebrews 10, 36 says this, You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the ones who shrink back. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. What he's saying here is you need to persevere so that you have done the will of God. Done the will of God. That, that, when, when he talks about faith, he's not talking about what you think and feel. He's talking about what you are doing. And I think for too many of us, we've gotten faith confused with an idea or an emotion or belief. Like because I believe in God, then I have faith. But when the Bible talks about faith, like real life-changing, life-sustaining, world-changing faith, it's not just emotion or intellect. Faith is something that must manifest itself in some physical, tangible way in your life. Listen, we're not all going to do the same thing. No matter how much faith I have, I will never seem pretty to anybody but my mama. No matter, no matter how much faith an elephant has, it's never going to be a frog. But if you, have the, if you have the ability to blink and God tells you to blink, then faith should cause you to blink. Faith should be this spiritual transformation in your heart that manifests its way in physical actions from your life. And if there is no physical action, if there is no activity, if there is no tangible way where you see faith in your life, whether it's through looking at your checkbook or looking at your time or looking at what you do, if there's no evidence of any active faith in your life, then I recommend you question whether or not your faith is real. And I know that sounds heavy, and I'm okay with that, because that heaviness might just save your soul. Like, if there's nothing going on, if, if your whole faith story is, is this, and I hear this from people all the time, like, man, tell me, about, tell me about your faith story. And they're like, well, I accepted Christ when I was four, and, and I got baptized, you know, last year or when I, when I was 10 or whatever. I'm like, all right, you accepted Christ and you got baptized, then what? No, you don't understand. I accepted Christ and I've been baptized. That's my faith. That's not the faith story. That's like page 1.10. You accepted Christ. The faith story is everything that happens after that. 
If your entire faith story is I accepted Christ and I got baptized and nothing has happened since then except for the fact that you've occupied a chair in some building somewhere, then that is not the faith story God designed you to have. It's not the kind of faith the Bible is talking about when it talks about faith. I mean, think about it. Let's do a little audience participation because that's never awkward. When I say God is faithful to you, what's just... What's something that you think about? What's something you think, if I say God has been faithful in your life, what's something you might think about? God has done what for you? Just throw something out. What? Yes, giving you, that's great. That's evidence of faithfulness. What's another one? Do what? You got to yell, I'm the only one with the mic. Absolutely brought your family. So these, God did that. He brought your family back together. Redeemed you. Would that be an evidence of God's faith? Restored you. Would that be evidence of, do what? Yeah, got you off drugs. That's an action, right? He did something. Amen. He did something for you. When you think of God's faithfulness, do you think of him sitting up in heaven thinking about getting you off drugs? Man, I sure wish I could help that dude. No, it's something God does. When we talk about the faithfulness of God, we talk about what God is actively doing in our life. I don't say God is thankful because I believe God has acknowledged the existence of Tommy. Yet... We say we are faithful because we have acknowledged the existence of God. That's not faith, that's belief. You can have belief and be unfaithful. I've seen a lot of faithfulness in people who claim to believe something, a lot of unfaithfulness. Faith and belief are two different things. Now, faith requires some some portion of belief, but you can be faithful even when you don't believe. When... uh, Paul in Hebrews 11, he's sitting around with his boys and they're at deer camp and they've all been bow hunting because they didn't have guns yet. And so Paul's, <laughs> they're sitting around a campfire. And this is the way I picture this story. And they're all, you know, doing their thing. And Paul begins to tell stories of heroes from the past who have been faithful. And as we read Hebrews 11, just picture this as if they're real people having a real conversation, and Paul is sitting around with his boys, and he just begins to talk about what faith means. And Hebrews 11, this is what it says. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So he says, this, this, y'all remember all the boys who came before us? This is what it meant. And then he goes into it. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel. He's like, y'all remember Abel? By faith, Abel brought God a better offspring than Cain. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. He's like, by faith, Enoch. You guys remember the story of Enoch? By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God took him away. Before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleases God. He did something. By faith, Noah. Y'all remember Noah by faith when he was warned of things not yet seen. In holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham. When they called Abraham, when God said, Abraham, go to a place you'll later receive as your inheritance. Abraham obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going. And by faith, even Sarah 
who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, he offered his son Isaac. He would embrace the promises about the sacrifice of his one and only son. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. And by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed his sons and worshipped as he leaned on his staff. By faith, Joseph when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw no ordinary child. And then by faith, when Moses had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated. Verse 29, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army marched around it for seven days. By faith, y'all remember Rahab the prostitute? By faith, she welcomed in the spies and was not killed. And what more shall I say? This is my favorite part of the verse. I don't have time to talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms and they administered justice and they gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the fury of the flames. They escaped the age of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. And they became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. It's like, by faith. These are all stories of faith. You know not one of these stories is about anything somebody thought or felt. It's about stories of what people did. Our faith is not about intellect it's about action it's about action man you can know the whole book and if you don't do anything then your faith is useless our faith is a faith that must be lived out in what we do i don't believe the opposite of faith is unbelief the opposite of faith is laziness it's apathy it's refusing to do what god calls you to do when we have faith, we move, even when we don't believe. I, I, my faith at times in my life has made me a hypocrite. Like someone called me a hypocrite the other day, so I Googled it. Listen to this, because I want to make I want to find out whether or not I was being insulted. It says, hypocrisy is the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's behavior does not conform. A simple way to, to put that is when you do something that does not conform with what you really believe. When you act in a way that doesn't conform with your feelings or emotions. For those who have faith, there will be times when you will be a hypocrite because you will do action even when you don't feel it or believe it. You will be obedient to God even when you can't see it, even when you don't think it, even when it doesn't make you happy. You will be obedient to God in spite of what you think or feel. You'll be obedient to God sometimes even when you don't even fully believe he is God. That is faith. That is real faith. That's where the Bible talks about it. But that's the kind of faith that changes the world. We want to hide behind this. Not y'all, but people in the church down the street. They want to hide behind, you know my heart. God knows my heart. No, I don't give, but God knows my heart. No, I don't serve, but God knows my heart. No, I'm, I'm, I don't do any of those things. God knows my heart. Or we defend our children. Yeah, little, little, little Billy stubbed your, stole your hubcaps, but you know his heart. He's good. He's got a good heart. All right? It's always about my heart. It's always, matter of fact, y'all know Dusty. Is Dusty in here? Good. I'll tell a story about him. I love Dusty. 
But I always know when Dusty's about to correct me because he always, and he has the right, I mean, we are spiritual equals. He's, my, he's accountability. He'll come to me and say, hey, Tommy, you know my heart, man. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. I've done something. <laughs> I said something stupid. He always starts it in the kind of, man, you know my heart. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, this is, this is what we hide behind. You know my heart. And then, and then I read Proverbs 27, and this is so funny to me. Like, we should all memorize this and tattoo it on our foreheads or whatever. It says, Proverbs 27, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects their heart. You know why I did that? Because that's what's in my heart. You know why I didn't do it? Because that's what's in my heart. That's the truth. You know, your heart's not over here and your life's over here. You're doing what's in your heart. And so, you know, people, uh, you can't tell whether or not I have faith. You can't see what's, I don't need to see what's in your heart to know whether or not you have faith. I see what you do. You don't have to be God to figure out whether or not someone has faith. Look at the way they treat people. Look at the way they live. And I'm not saying we're supposed to judge each other. Although it's not a bad deal to call each other up to a higher level of faith inside the church. We don't judge people outside, but inside we can call each other up. But you don't have to be God to see somebody's faith because faith should be obvious. And listen, I'm not saying it's your action that saves you. It's Christ's action on the cross that saves you. But if there's no action to your faith, then you should question whether or not your faith is really there. And I'm not saying to be scared to sit around wondering, am I saved, am I not saved? You know when you're saved. You know when 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 you know. But if you know, then so should some people around you. Oh, God is in my heart. That's good. Let him out every now and then so we can see him. <laughs> right? God doesn't want to be, he's not the, that girl from I Dream of Jeannie. You're like, rub the lamp, let him out. That's an old show right there. It's in my heart. It's in your life. Like it's in what you do. Faith should be obvious, Right? By the way we live, you got to be faithful with what you can control and trust God with what you can't. I got to be faithful with my actions because those things I can change. I can help the, the, way I, the way I give and the way I serve, and I, I, I can control those things. I'm faithful with what I can control, and God will change what I cannot control because I cannot change my heart, but God can. And when I'm faithful with what I can control and God begins to change what I cannot control, something incredible begins to happen inside of me. But we have, God died on the cross and, and that is sufficient and that's what saved us. But his death doesn't override your free will. You still have to do something with the gift God has given you. And, and, and it, there's nothing. It's just not what it was meant to be. Tell me your faith story. Oh, I come to church. That's not enough, man. It's not enough. There must be more to our story. You know, I am. Um, it's weird. Like, if you are obedient with what you can control, there comes a point in your life when God actually changes the desires of your heart. And this is not about self-control. I'm not saying just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and do what you don't want. This is not about self-control because I have no control over self. I have less self-control than almost every one of you with the exception of a couple of you. But I have, I have no self-control. What I have come to believe is I need to give myself to someone else and let them control me. That's my best chance at life. And so I've given control of my life 
to God. And then we choose holiness to him over happiness to self. And that's faith. And there are stories of faith in this room that would blow your mind. Like stories of faithfulness. And the stories that, that I hope, you know, when we get to heaven, you know, I'm going to walk in there and God's going to go, man, y'all got to hear Tommy's story. This dude is crazy. Listen to this one. But those stories exist right here. There's a story, a true story, of a kid from this church who comes on Wednesday nights to, to our youth group. And his parents don't believe in God. And so he's found another family to give him a ride. And he comes every Wednesday night having no idea what's going on, just feeling like he's called into this place. And so in spite of what he can see and in spite of what he knows, he shows up to be obedient to what he believes this God is calling him to do. That's faith. There's a story in this room of a mom who prays every week that her husband will join her in church. Stories in this church, lots of them like this one, pray every week that her husband will join her in church. And when it doesn't make sense, and when it doesn't happen, she doesn't give up. She just keeps praying. And that's faith. That's real faith. That's world-changing, life-changing faith. There's a story in this church of a man who started praying with his kids. And he doesn't think he has the words, and he doesn't think he knows it all, but yet he has decided to step out and pray with his kids. And that is real, life-changing faith. There's a couple in this church right now that is deciding to stay married when there are 10,000 reasons they should get divorced. And that is real, life-changing faith. There's a story of a couple who gives generously beyond their means, even when it makes no financial sense to them at all, because they're obedient to what they believe God is calling them to do, and that's faith. That's, that's heroic faith. There's a story in this church of a woman who decided to keep her child, even though she knew she'd be raising that child on her own and had no idea how she would do it. And that's faith. And there's a story in this church of a woman who didn't keep her child and was completely rejected and labeled by the church. But she's coming back and giving us another chance because she has faith in God, that God can forgive her and God can restore her regardless of what God's people have said about her. And that's faith. There are so many stories of real faith. What's your story? What's your story, man? And if you've been coming to church for 15 or 20 years and your whole story consists of I accepted God and I came to church, then wake up, sleeper. It's time for a new story. Wake up. Wake up. There is so much more to life. There is so much more to life. There is so much more. And if you think that I believe in God and like you just made some intellectual decision at one point in your life and you haven't done anything and you claim to be a tree that bears no fruit but not one apple has ever come from you, then be scared. And go back and talk to God again and say, God, I, I love you and I need you and I want you and I'm going I'm to be obedient and I'm going to show faith and I'm going to move and I'm going to do things. I'm not just going to sit here and be content. And if you're here for the first time, and you're wondering, you know, like, man, I don't know, I don't have that kind of faith yet. You showed up today. And when you show up to a place and you don't even believe what I'm saying, then you have faith. There's this beautiful story in the Bible where this soldier walks up to Jesus and is like, heal me. The soldier was Roman, worshipped a different God, didn't know Exodus, didn't believe. He walked up to Jesus and said, I think you can heal me. And Jesus said, man, I love your faith. 
the Pharisees and the crowd were going, he doesn't know Exodus. And Jesus was like, no, I got this one. Faith. Do something. Do something. There are heroes in this room. And I wish I, I mean, there, there are heroes in this room. But there are also people who've worn the name of Christ for a long time and have done nothing at all to bring Christ to the world. Wake up, sleepers. You were not given faith so that you would think God existed. You were given faith so that the world would know God exists through your life. And that's different. When you don't believe, have faith. When you can't see it, have faith. When it makes no sense, have faith. God has given you something incredible. It's time to use it. Amen.